1: Welcome to episode 22 of The Tinderbox. Box. It's a rare midweek episode on the podcast. We are the podcast for matchsticks and gasoline. The Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. It's Mark, Michael, and Gordy this evening. How we doing, everybody? Very good. Oh, I'm but doing great. This is I'm telling we got to start recording the pre-podcast <laughs> with you guys. It's way more exciting. Burger King French fry sandwiches. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So, uh, the Flames... Um, Last week ended the week on a horrible note, a really, 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 I can't stress, really bad 8-4 loss to the Chicago Blackhawks. However, on the sunny, you know, the glasses half full type scenario, the Flames went out and beat the Ducks 6-4. to four. For the third time this season. Uh, that's the first time that's happened since 04. Uh, they've never won back-to-back games in Anaheim since I think 94, 96. It's been a while, let's put it that way. For anything revolving the ducks and the flames, it's been a while. We'll just it's at least 10 years. But um, so we kind of have like the opposite ends of the spectrum there. But I think everybody after that Chicago loss was like, oh my God. Um, this is this is it. This is this is the season right here. uh Riddick was terrible, Talbot was terrible. The whole team as as a whole was terrible. Um anybody got some thoughts uh between those two games? The the complete emotional swing, which has kind of been the entire flame season. No, nobody?
2: Oh sorry, yeah. <laughs> <I'll go. laughs> actually, I'll I'll disagree with you a little bit. I actually I I watched some of the highlights again and I was I find it a little surprising they pulled Riddick actually. I'm not maybe the first Taves goal, but I, I'm not sure I would have blamed him for any of them, quite honestly. Talbot Talbot wasn't terrible in my opinion either. The score is bad, but I don't know. It was just one of those nights where everything seemed to go in. Yeah,
1: and I think that's kind of one of those I kind of pulled back from I said they were they were both bad, but also nobody in front of them was really good either. Um sure. I just you know, I just I don't know. Michael, what are your thoughts on the that Blackhawks debacle?
0: Um I don't know. I was I would say that first goal right off the bat, that was kind of a killer. Like probably one he should have had, but like for Riddick's night after that, like, I believe every other every other goal, it was either, like, a tap-in, a play right in front, or, like, somebody alone, like, right beside the net. Like, that first goal was probably the only one I've actually seen where he was maybe at fault. And then, yeah, the rest of the night, Cam mm-hmm. would came in, same thing. So, I wasn't on the goalies as much, but, man, that defending was just atrocious. <laughs> like, you, you can't have an NHL, an NHL team that wants to make the playoffs with that kind of defending.
1: No, no agree and i mean and then you come into anaheim well calgary comes to anaheim and anaheim immediately comes out and scores the first goal again so that's what 39 times i think they said this year the flames have given up the first goal never good to be playing from behind and they were playing from way behind in that game too down three to one and somehow managed to get back into it thanks to Mainly Andrew Manjipani just being like, "Get on my back, let's go." I'll, of all people, Johnny, Sean, just relax, take a night off. I'll throw the team on my back. I'll, I'll carry us through this here. Um, so, I, again, in that game, it's like the Flames are constantly playing from behind. There's got
2: to be a way that they come out of that locker room hot, no? Mm-hmm. It's it's so sad that a season where Calgary's already won the season series against Edmonton and Anaheim and we're in this much misery. But no, it was it's good. Like it's. It's always a good sign for a team when, you know, you can come into a third period like that and, you know, turn a game around with not much time left. But, yeah, the, the getting down early is, is not something that, you know, even playoff teams can afford to do that consistently.
1: No, I think especially, too, when you don't have your top players scoring goals, it's not like, all right, we're down mm-hmm. three to one. You know, Gaudreau, Monaghan and G. I I mean, Lindholm, Lindholm's playing fine. Kachuk's playing fine. Um, So whatever. But, like, you're, you're two big guns, the guys you're paying you know, a, a ton of money to are uh, the guys that are supposed to carry you through those games. And thankfully, Monahan scored a goal because I don't think anybody in the NHL needed a goal more than Sean Monaghan. Um, anybody have thoughts on that?
2: It was a it was a yeah. beautiful assist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it was. It just I just Monahan just kind of they showed some stats like at least Goudreau's got some assists like in his last 13 mm. games like monahan has got like one goal, one is like it was terrible coming into that mm. Anaheim game. So I think I don't know if that's gonna you know get him moving because there's so many times this year where he just looks invisible out there where mm. like I think it was the other night he went to the box for a penalty and I was like oh Monaghan's playing like I didn't even <laughs> recognize like I didn't even think that he was out there I'm like oh he was out there look at that who knows um so yeah but I think you know good to anytime you can you know take three games from Anaheim in a season is good and kind of put them in their place and beat them up a little bit even if it is uh Ducks light. <laughs> Let's put that, they're not exactly the Anaheim Ducks of old, but I don't really care. And the fact that Mangiapane ran Ryan Getzlaff at his giant potato head over <laughs> <laughs> was fantastic. It was, like, it was like David taking down Goliath. It was awesome. It was fantastic. <laughs> um although i did joke in the uh in our little chat thread i was like would it have been awesome if like gaudreau instead of passing the puck to Manjapani he took it himself and scored and then like ripped off his flames jersey <laughs> and he was wearing a flyer's sweater <laughs> been, like just like total like wwf <laughs> moment just to add to the bizarreness that is this calgary Flames season um so any anybody got any more closing thoughts on uh the dichotomy that is the flames one day it's eight to four one day it's six to four and i think those two games kind of surmise the Flames. Like, who knows anymore, right? Does anybody really know who the Calgary Flames Do the Calgary Flames know who the Calgary Flames are? Michael? Nope. <laughs>
0: yeah. All I want to say is, like, it seems like they kind of figure out how to score again. I think it's something like 31 goals in the last six games. So at least they know how to put the puck in the net. But, of course, it's kind of been met up with uh we forgot how to defend along the way kind of thing. So we'll see, but it's nice to see they're actually scoring. Even though guys like you said, Gaudreau and Monahan, I think only have like one of those last thirty-one goals or something. It's like it's an interesting time right now. I'll put it that way.
1: Yeah, it is, and it's it's thankfully it's almost kind of reminiscent of a little bit of last year too, where the Flames' secondary scoring took over when. Goodrow and Monaghan kind of slumped a little bit. I mean, Kachuk's doing his thing. Lindholm's playing extremely well. But now you've got guys like Manjapani stepping up. And Sam Bennett, I'm, I thought I'm going to make fun of Sam Bennett every week. And that'll just get him going because every time I slag him, he has a fairly good stretch of games. So, I mean, they're getting scoring from other places. But um, if we want to switch, switch uh, roles, I guess, we could talk about the Flames' defense, which has been – Absolute trash. (laughs) I think that's the best way to describe it. With Mark Giordano out, that hasn't helped. Hamannik got hurt. Uh, Hannifin was terrible uh, the other night. Stone Stone is just a pylon at this point. Um, Anderson's doing the best he can. You've got Yellison and Shillington together, which was a was an interesting combo. I thought they held their own fairly well, Mm -hmm. Um, but I just there's too much standing around. I just feel like and poor TJ Brody's just I feel like is out there on an island by himself. Anybody have any thoughts on that?
2: Well, I think that's, you know, that's something I don't think a lot of people are considering right now is how, you know, quite poor the defensive core is on paper. But like how many teams in the league could survive defensively losing, you know, two of your top four defensemen at this time of year? So I yeah. think they definitely deserve, you know, some leeway. And like Michael said, it's it's most inspiring to see them scoring as heavily as they are now. Whereas, you know, where I think they deserve a small amount of leniency on the defensive side, given you know the the injuries that have hit them. Michael.
0: Yeah, I just want to add on. Just say, yeah, it's you lost last year's Norris Trophy winner, but I know he hasn't been at that level this year. But he's still been absolutely solid, like top pairing defender. Like, I thought as soon as he was gone and Hamnick left shortly after that, they were almost done. Like, yeah. And for, for a part, it kind of has looked like that at times, especially that Chicago game. But, uh, yeah, we'll kind of see here. They have a bit of a tough stretch coming up with, with that road trip after the Boston game. So we'll see if they can kind of pick up cause I'm not sure how close either Gio or Hamnick is to coming back at this point.
1: Yeah, there hasn't really been much chatter on that. And, um, you know, and obviously they're not going to rush Falamaki back to fill in any kind of spots. So I think mm-hmm. you're gonna you're you're gonna ride or die with what you got right now uh, at the blue line for the flames and it's you know I I was kind of hoping this is one of those scenarios where Hannafin would step up but I just I don't think his play lately has been anything uh spectacular. Let's put it there. Actually I don't think it's been good. Um and I think Stone is what he is. I think I'm willing to take lumps with Shillington because I think there is some potential there and a future with him. So if he's gonna have a couple rough games here and there, that's fine. I just want Anderson to shoot the puck more. That's all I want. Yeah. I want. I want one Flames defenseman to actually. Actually, he hit the post the other night. Which was a nice shot, but just put it within five feet of the net, and I'll be happy. I'm not asking a lot because uh, I. I it's maybe one night when I'm watching a game, I'll just I'll just make little checks every time a Flames defenseman shoots and misses by a good chunk because I feel like I'd fill an entire sheet of paper because I feel like they're the worst <laughs> shooting defense in the league. Um, but I digress. <laughs> well, enough hammering on the Flames defense there. Um, trade scenario wise, uh, the name that was attached to the Flames for a lot of this last couple of weeks, at least as the trade deadline approach was was uh, to Foley and he is off to Vancouver. So that's not going to happen. Anybody uh, surprised with that deal? Did we really think that he was going to come to the flames?
2: Oh, I don't think it was surprising in terms of him not coming to the flames. It's what was surprising. And I think a lot of people agree is how, how little Vancouver relatively had to pay, especially with how bad of overpayments there are right now. Like Marco Scandella, as you know, Mike pointed out earlier, uh, Marco Scandella just fetched Montreal an additional second-round pick on top of the fourth round they gave up to Buffalo, and you know, God only knows that package that Blake Coleman drew. So it's I think it's very surprising what Vancouver had to part with for to Foley. Michael, you agree with that sentiment?
0: Yeah, I think um, I think Vancouver got off also decently. I know their prospects. Some of their Canucks fans. I talked to said he was like, like he's still got some good potential, but man, I just, I think it's a good trade for them. I think he's going to make their team a lot stronger. They just lost. it sounds like Brock Bester's out for the season. So mm-hmm. they needed somebody to kind of pull up the slack there on the right wing. I think he'll be a good fit. Um, I don't know. As with the flames, it's kind of like, yeah, I would have liked him on the flames, but uh, I don't know if he would have been enough of an upgrade at that right wing position. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like the flames kind of have a lot of those middle six forwards right now. And, I don't know. It almost feels like for the Flames, it's like they either have to bring in like a really big fish or they're not really going to see a huge improvement, in my opinion.
1: No, I think that makes absolute sense. And I think that's one of those, maybe the Flames are, I mean, the the trade's going before the deadline. I mean, if you didn't look at your calendar, you would have thought you were off. You'd be like, they already started. Like, did I miss the deadline? What is it today and yesterday? Because people are just going nuts, which brings up the point that uh, we talked about earlier about discussing is, should the Flames try to sell a defenseman? At this point, um, is it kind of like, I kind of feel like you either had to be all in. It's, you know, I don't feel like adding a small bit here or there is going to help Calgary at this point. Uh, is it time to just say either we're in as buyers or should they sell some defensemen? Because defensemen are fetching quite the return. And if you were to deal a defenseman, who would you send away?
2: Yeah, for I think even if you're not explicitly targeting getting rid of a defenseman, at least testing the market to see what someone would offer you for a TJ Brody or a Travis Hammonick. Like I, I just, you have to see what's out there with, with currently what, yeah, guys are paying for Marco Scandella.
1: I mean, is this a scenario where if, if Giordano was healthy, would you even attempt to dangle him? Like say he never got hurt. Is he a guy you, you know, if the flames still are kind of playing borderline hockey, uh you know you think a team that's uh, looking for some veteran leadership that's you know maybe thinks they're that one player short is Gio a guy you think that uh somebody you would have offered to somebody
2: again yeah again I, like it would be it would be very interesting to see what what Giordano's worth but yeah I'm not sure you yeah explicitly try to get rid of him per se Michael
0: I would say, like, kind of going back... Like, well, Geo, first of all, I don't think I'd trade no matter what. I just... I think trading Geo, that's like, a, all right, we're completely changing mm-hmm. the heading of the ship. We're not just changing thing, things up, trying to make the playoffs or tank for this season. So I think you'd probably leave him where it is. One player I'd look at is, depending on what his injury is, and we haven't really heard anything, is Travis Hamnick, just because mm-hmm. I don't think you can trade Brody at this point just with the health of the defense as is, like... I don't think that group can take one more hit out of there, but honestly with how Shillington's kind of played and if you're okay kind of rolling stone, maybe look and see if someone will pay something for Hammonick. Maybe even send back a third-pairing defenseman from their team and just see if you can kind of get a little bit of a downgrade perhaps on the blue line, but grab a couple of these assets now that the defensemen are starting to go for what seems like ridiculous packages compared to what we thought they'd get.
1: Yeah. And I think just, I just threw Giordano out there. Cause he's a bigger name. I agree with you guys. I mm-hmm. think the minute you trade your captain, you signify <laughs> we're done. We quit. We're moving on. We're going to find something different. So, um, I think Hammonick would probably be the defenseman to deal because depending on, you know, again, we haven't heard anything about injuries and coming back, they need a leader out on that defense and it's gotta be TJ Brody at this point. Um, and I think if you ended up dealing Brody, you're on a, that's just kind of gives you a whole nother set of problems that you have to deal with. Um, Real quickly, something we didn't kind of discuss before, but I was kind of bouncing back in my head. Like, do we have some sort of kind of... I don't know if goalie controversy is the right thing, way to put it out there, but should Cam Talbot be playing a little bit more right now for the Flames? Michael? No, yeah, somebody?
0: Yeah, I'll grab that, I guess. Okay. Um, I'll pick up that hot potato. Um, <laughs> I... I don't know. I would say he probably deserved a few more games earlier in the season, and at this point, it's looking like the Flames are getting ready to roll like a 1A, 1B thing. So, you know, I would say give Talbot a few more games, kind of let him settle in. Like, I know nobody had a good game against the uh, Blackhawks, but I would say, yeah, Talbot probably deserves a few more games to get going, and Riddick always seems to be at his best when his partner's also doing well. Like, Mm -hmm. he seems to thrive off the competition, so... I would get Talbot a few more games kind of going into the end of February here and then see where things kind of go from there. So I think the bigger question is kind of starting to come up is, uh, should they keep Talbot around after the season? So we'll have to see.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I look at it now, This what, there's 21 games left in the season. Uh, would you be comfortable rolling like maybe 13-8, like that kind of split between the two of them? Is that reasonable?
0: Totally, depending yeah. on, think, depending mm-hmm. on who's the
1: hotter goalie, I mean, you kind of roll with who's hot. If Talbot comes in and you know pitches another shutout and gives up a goal, maybe you just you run him three or four starts just to you know give Riddick a, Riddick a chance to you know clear his head. But I like the idea of actually bringing Talbot back personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't I don't think anybody in the minors is ready to take that backup role to uh to Riddick. So it would make sense, I think, to you know to bring Talbot back potentially. You know, if anybody agrees with that or not.
2: But yeah, the goalie market is a hundred percent always weakest in you know when it's free agent time, and I'm a hundred percent for resigning Talbot. Um, you know, Gillies is certainly not coming up next year. Zagadulin, all the goalies actually are on expiring contracts except for Riddick. So yeah, it'll be very interesting the Flames goalie situation this summer.
1: I think that might be the last time we ever mention John Gillie's name until maybe they yeah. say hey the flames have moved on from John
2: Gillie's finally <laughs> so, or John Killies, John Gillie's carries X team to playoffs Jordan Bennington style. Oh god, that that, that would be <laughs> that would happen. That would make
1: total sense <laughs> that they would cast him off and then he would take off somewhere and be uh, you know, amazing. So uh, the Flames do have one interesting game coming up in Michael and I were joking about this the other night, watching the Flames Ducks game, and that's the Bruins and the Flames. Um, anybody see this game going other than "Oh my god"? Uh, I just feel like the Bruins are playing so hot right now. I that seems like it's a a a train rolling downhill with no brakes, just ready to plow through anything in its path. And unfortunately for the Flames, I think they're going to be one of those teams they plow through. Anybody have a thought on that? <laughs>
2: I personally, for I would start Talbot that game too, just because Riddick has been absolutely lit up by Boston every mm-hmm. time he's played them. I remember the the season Mike Smith went down with injury and it was Riddick time. You know, it, Riddick's got to be the starter now. He, I think they lost 5-2 in Boston and that was yeah. kind of like, uh-oh, like maybe he's was, not a starting goalie.
1: I was there. <laughs> <laughs> it was a miserable evening, as most <laughs> evenings in Boston are. But I mean, the Flames at least have... The Bruins at home, but it's at home, right? Yeah, it's in Calgary. Yeah. The first meeting, but and Murdick's lost six straight at home. So I think I'm with you. I think just throw Talbot in there. Talbot definitely seems like he's the more level-headed out of the two and could handle, you know, Pasternak scoring 12 goals in a game and <laughs> not making a big deal out of it. So yeah, <laughs> Michael, uh, what are your you uh you have any high hopes for that game? Or are you kind of just like you know gonna duck and cover and hope for the best?
0: Uh, my prayers are that just that we find a way to get a point out of it, but you know, I'm not even holding out hope for that at this point. It's just, I don't know why they always seem to get killed by Boston, no matter how good the flames are, how bad the Bruins are, anything in between. And this year, the Bruins are just ridiculous. So maybe find a way to get a point, but man, I, 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 especially with the decor banged up, I I think it could be like a... Mm -hmm. 6-1 6-1 game, but knowing the Flames, that means we're going to win
1: 6-1, so I don't know. <laughs> now, now I mean might get a point, do you mean like a goal or like take it to overtime? I'm guessing that means like <laughs> well, I one goal. Time I, take it to
0: overtime, <laughs> so I realized
1: how stupid that sounded, so just right, i just get a goal or two. I just wanted to figure that out. So I'm like, really? Well, maybe, maybe we can tie him one-to-one and, you know, lose. I don't know. So Yeah, I, I think I'm kind of with you guys. I think that game's going to be a nightmare. At least it's a Friday night. I can sit home and watch it and cry away in my beer and call it an evening um
0: gotta expect them to win because like that's that's when they when we expect them to lose that's when they come out with their ridiculous performance it's like hey these guys are gonna go for the cup so i don't know anymore
1: yeah maybe that's what i'll do predictions i'll predict the the bruins win seven at one and then the flames (laughs) will miraculously win four to one four to two who knows um uh anything else anybody want to go over and talk about other than by the way that like Ducks Flames game the other day—it looked like a weird scrimmage oh. between yeah. the '89 Flames and like the 0304 4 Flames. So it's, the Ducks' like font is kinda like the the Reebok era Flames jersey, and that orange is the most hideous thing to look at on television. It was like, oh, gotta hurt my eyes. It was terrible.
2: I'm just and happy that's... they. W- I'm just happy they won in the jersey, so we don't have to call them cursed and never see them again, right? Oh. So uh, anybody else got any thoughts before we uh, wrap up here on this abbreviated midweek rare extra podcast? Two games against Tampa too, right at their absolute peak of the season. Not earlier when they were human <laughs> yeah. with no defenseman. So this, this, yeah, this is uh
1: this is, I think this is gut check time for Calgary right now with what's coming up for them with what they have to put on the ice and with how their star players are playing and maybe the rise to the occasion or, Maybe at the trade deadline, we'll be like, wow, look, they got rid of everybody. Yay, fantastic. So anybody excited for Glenn Godden? You think he's going to make his debut this week? I hope they give him a chance, honestly. (laughs) Go out there, play the Bruins. Have a good one. (laughs) Enjoy yourself. Like, Welcome to the NHL, kid. All right, well, if nobody else has any other uh, thoughts or opinions, we'll wrap it up here. Anybody got anything else?
0: I mean, at least they're playing Detroit on Sunday. So
1: we, after we watch them get massacred
0: by Boston on Friday and Tuesday, we have a nice Red Wings game in between there to hopefully
1: have things chill out a little bit. Hey, don't sell Detroit short. They've beaten Boston twice this year. <laughs> it's strange. They've got 16 wins and two of them are against the Bruins, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But hey, I'm sure hockey. They're going to bring him in to find out how to do that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up here on episode number 21 of the Tinderbox. You're getting a rare midweek podcast from Mark, Michael, and Gordy. Guys, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Thank you. All right. And we will wrap this up. We will have our normally scheduled podcast on Friday as well. So look forward to that. If you enjoy this podcast, please find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, or spotify and download it just search for the tinderbox or matchsticks and gasoline or any calgary flames podcast search that and you should find us thank you all for joining us and we will talk to you next time on the tinderbox